Let's go to Matthew 7.24. Let's just do the. Yeah, they already have it. Matthew 7.24. There you go. That's it. Matthew 7.24. Let's, let's just get into some culture tonight, some culture building stuff. Yeah, I might need those. Uh, <clears throat> so I just want to talk about some culture building stuff tonight. I will, here's what I'll do with the, with the uh, uh, service, um, uh, the sermon that I was going to preach. I'll put it on the app, and you can go get the notes, and you can review it. But it was about worship, and it was, there was, it, it, it was really about telling the church that there is an acceptable worship, and there's an unacceptable worship. And Jesus meets a Samaritan woman, and, and he corrects her worship, because Samaritan worship will never manifest the presence of heaven. Only, only true worship, and true worship is found in the Trinity. That's all I'll give you for that. You'll have to go to the notes for the rest, okay? Let's go to uh, uh, Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Well, if I were to ask you tonight, what's in your core, what would you say? Uh, uh, jelly? Uh, a baby? Uh, uh, what would you say? What's in your core? What's at the core of you? If we were to strip you away, if we were like the, the what's the, with the owl who does the licking of the, the what's that called? The? Yeah, that guy. How many licks does it take to get to the center? What's at your core? What's, what's at the center of you? If I were to ask you that tonight, if we were to strip away and lay bare the core of you, what, what will we find in your core? Like, what, what, will, what will we discover at your core? Jesus has some things to say about this. Um, and, I, and so, I, I, the first thing I want to tell you is the kingdom is built by design, not by default. So the kingdom... So when I say the kingdom, I mean the government of heaven is looking for you to build it. The kingdom is built not by default. It's not going to happen by accident, church. It's not going to happen simply because we show up on Sunday and we worship together. It's just, you're going to receive the kingdom and it's going to go into you. But it becomes what comes into you then requires it to come out of you and, and it, it must lay its a foundation somewhere in reality. Amen? Okay? So the kingdom is built by de design, not by default. And it needs some construction materials. It needs some materials from you and I in order to build. Matthew 7.24 says, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want you, what I want you to see there is that the house is built. You are the builder. The only way, you've got nothing to build until you hear what the Lord says and then you do what the Lord says. So houses aren't built on hearing. Houses are built on doing. Faith requires you and I to build. And, and what is in your core will determine what you build. Luke 17, 20 to 21. Go there. It says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and he said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So the kingdom doesn't come down. The kingdom comes out. You, you, we pray theologically incorrect prayers. 
Jesus, I don't like when we pray for the Holy Spirit to come again. He already came. He's here, man. You know, we got this one song we sing, and every time we sing it, I said, man, that's theologically in error. That is, we are asking the Holy Spirit to do what he already did. And when we pray, when we pray for him to come down, we say, kingdom come. That's, that's an, it's an inaccurate prayer. Jesus said the kingdom is within. It doesn't come with observation. It comes out of your core. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he'll be a wise builder. So whoever hears the word, whoever hears the word and does it will be a wise builder. So that means that the logos that's inside of you determines the house you build. It determines the, the, the manifestation of the kingdom on the outside. The word on the inside determines the kingdom on the outside. We're looking for, we're looking for God to, to like manifest kingdom on the outside. And God says, well, go ahead and manifest it. I've given you plenty of building material. It's in your spirit. Now, now manifest it. Now build it. The word of God is what determines what is being constructed in the earth. So we must design our lives according to the logos of God, the presence of God, Jesus. The kingdom within you determines the reality of the kingdom that surrounds you. The proportion of the kingdom that you put in will always determine the measure of the kingdom around you. So I want to give you tonight eight kingdom core values that I believe are essential. Eight kingdom core values that lay at the core of our foundation and, and are a part of the culture we want to see at Church on the North Coast in this region. The first, the first kingdom core value is this. <clears throat> People first. This is a core value. People are first. Everybody say this with me. With me. People are my mission. Ministry is not your mission. People are your mission. And if you're not careful, you'll use people to affirm your ministry. This is how you, this is how you recognize immature leaders. Because they'll use people to gratify their, and affirm their deep need of ministry. So, so whatever you do for God, 
Let me ask you, whatever it is. So think about what you do for the Lord right now. What do you, how do you serve the Lord? Now ask yourself this. Do I do it for them or do I do it for me? Because people must be your mission. Sundays and Wednesdays are not about what happens up here. It's about what happens down, down there in here. We just use this as a means to get to that. So whatever we do as believers in God, people are always first. People are our mission. It's why we sing the songs. It's why we create the sermons. It's why we greet people with smiles. It's why we give prophetic words. It's why we pray for people. We don't do those things so we feel good about ourselves. We do those things because we see the sheep and we say, man, they need a shepherd. And we got to connect them to the great shepherd Jesus. And we got to become Jesus for them. People are first. That's a core value. And you say, well, that's a simple, of course it's, no, no, it's not, no, no, it's not. It's easy, it's easy to use this for you. It's easy to use what you do to make you feel good. <laughs> because, I mean, it makes you feel good. But if you do it because, well, you know, you, 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 I don't know, maybe you look into like increase your resume with the Lord so you can like buy a bigger home in, in heaven. I don't know. But if that's why you do it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Because the anointing is addictive. Like the presence of Jesus, you can, you can serve Jesus and then feel the presence of Jesus, and then do it for the wrong reasons. So people must always be first. That's a core value. Number two, uh, well, let me give you a scripture attached to that. Galatians 5, 13 to 14. You, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve who? One another. We serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Shall love your neighbor as yourself. So serving people, loving people, is a core value, a kingdom core value. Uh, number two, integrity. The kingdom core value. And, and I like to attach to that principled. I've started doing something recently where I have been chronicling, writing down principles for life. Now, because I want to establish what I think about a thing before the thing challenges me. So I don't want to get to a question mark in life and like, what do you think about this, Troy? I want to have it already settled in my spirit. I want to be a principled man when it comes to these values. I want to have 
principles. I, heard, I saw something the other day I thought it was fascinating. My wife shared it with me. She said, it, she was reading something. She said, if you, ever, if you ever are talking to an old dude and he pulls out a knife and he starts to carve an apple with it and sits down and starts talking, you should sit down and listen to that dude, right? Because that's a principled man. You know, he carries the knife around. He's probably got one of those old, it's probably old yellow ivory on it, you know, and his, his jeans are real worn. He's just weathered. He'd been through some things. He's got hands like Jim Johnson. You ever, you, Jim Johnson, some of y'all know him, some of you don't. But if you shook Jim Johnson's hand, you knew you were talking to a principled man who already settled in his spirit what he thinks about like topics that you would debate or we would leave open for discussion. And today, what is needed more than anything are mothers and fathers who are principled, who draw the line in their life and say, I already have decided what the Bible says about that thing. And, and because of what I've decided, what the Bible, I know the precedence of the early church, I know the precedence of the Bible, and I know the precedence of Jesus. So therefore, based on that precedence, I have a principle in my life that is already written out. I have a prepackaged answer to that question. You ask me what I, what I think about that thing, and from my spirit's going to come a principle of life. Do you have any principles that you write down? Are you a principled man? Are you a principled uh, wife? Are you a principled husband? What are your principles for living? David, King David had principles. This is how, this is how integrous King David was. It was. It's found in 1 Samuel 24, 5 to 6. It says, now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. He cut Saul's robe. This dude's trying to kill him, right? He runs him, he, he chases him into a cave. Dave, Dave runs into the back of this cave. He's trying to kill him. Saul has to use the restroom, lays his robe down, and, and for a second, for a second, he's like, he cuts the corner of his robe off, and he, and he walks out with it, and, and Saul walks away, and he said, hey, man, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit grips his heart. Why? Because he's a principled man. He said, I touched the anointed of God, and I told the Lord I wouldn't do that. What have you, where in your life have you made a covenant with God? You said, Job, I, I was reading in Job recently. He said, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I might not sin against you and lust after women. This is what Job said. And after I read that, I said, oh, that's good. I like that. I like that. I've made a covenant with my eyes so I might not sin against you. I made a covenant with my mouth so I might not sin against you. I made a covenant with my ears so I might not sin against you. I made a covenant with my heart that I would not sin against you. Where in your life have you written down principles? Do you, are, you a, are you a man and a woman of integrity? Number three, excellence. Excellence. Excellence is, is, is how I, here's how I define excellence. Find the line of expectation. Are you with me? Find the line of expectation to whatever somebody would expect you to do. If you work in a certain field and they say, this is what I would expect somebody to do in this field. Now you got that line? This is the line of expectation. You got it? You see where I'm at? You see where I'm at? You got it? You Everybody got it? Now cross it, go over it, do more than the line. That's excellence. 
You're not looking for perfection, but you are looking for a spirit of excellence. Are you a man, a woman of excellence for Jesus? Do you represent the kingdom with excellence? Have you ever, have you ever been somewhere and you didn't represent the kingdom with excellence? Yeah, it was there conviction there. There should be massive conviction when we violate excellence. Whatever Jesus did, it was excellent. It was excellent. Whatever we do, there should be a spirit of excellence on it. Find the line of expectation and exceed it. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. What's Jesus saying? My people always. To, to him above and beyond all you could ask or imagine. When somebody thinks of you, we should say, Dr. Cynthia always goes above and beyond. She operates in a spirit of excellence. She, when we think of you, when, when people think of you, they say, man, Pastor Skip goes above and beyond. He serves the kingdom with a spirit of excellence. There should be a noticeable difference between you at work and that of the, the Gentile at work. Man, your work is excellent. You got a great attitude. This is a kingdom core value. Excellence. Go beyond and above. Number four, growth. Growth. The pursuit of the fullness of Christ. We are committed growth, to grow. We're not progressive. We grow. <laughs> we grow. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be more in love with Jesus tomorrow than we were yesterday. We are committed to grow. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness. What are we after? The fullness of Christ. I'm after the fullness of Christ. This is our pursuit. A kingdom core value to grow. I would go so far as to say, if you stop growing... You die. And even if you live, you're of no use to this world. So, so it doesn't matter. Age has nothing to do with our growth. We must continue to pursue the full image of God for our life. The moment we believe in spiritual arrogance that we have arrived, we sell ourselves short of the fullness of Jesus that he has for us. So often, I'll look out on a Sunday or night like tonight, and I'll see disinterested faces, and I, and I grieve, and I say, don't you want all that Christ has for you? 
Don't you want more of, the, of, of, of that which he has for you? Then you must commit your life to saying, I'm not all that I am, I, I'm, going, I'm becoming. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived yet, but I press on to the mark of Christ. I'm committed to grow fuller into the image of Christ. If you see me today, you see me tomorrow, I'm not going to look the same. I ought not act the same. I'm going to grow and become greater in Jesus. Number five, love hard. Love hard. Loving God hard makes loving my neighbor easier. <laughs> love people hard. Mark 12, 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. With all your strength. This is the first command and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is how you love hard. All that you have. reciprocating what the world gives to you. Well, that's, that's what everybody does. But as believers, we're called to love beyond the way we're treated. I mean, you could... <laughs> this world will test your love. It will test you, you know. It'll, it'll test you. Oh, you say you love Jesus? You love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? You, you, you say you love Jesus? All right, here you go. Here's a person that I made in my image. I'm going to give this person to you to test, to see how hard your love is, how strong your love is. I will test. You, we look at people as problems, but people aren't the problems. Our lack of love towards the Lord is the problem. The reason they're the problem is because we don't love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. We, we, love, we love him just enough to, you know, get, get this person out of my face before I commit homicide. <laughs> People aren't the problem. Love is the problem. People are the test of the love and the proportion you have. God gives you problems in the form of people to test to see, do you really love me? Let me see how much you love me. I'm going to give you one of my favorites. Everybody in their mind right now is, is imagining the favorite person that God has given them to test the hardness of their love for Jesus. Oh man. Oh. You know, I've heard I've heard this expression. I've heard this expression. They say, I love Jesus. But his people, they're horrible. You heard that? We laugh at that. But that is so grievous and painful. Imagine saying that. Uh, uh, Elder Butts, imagine me saying, man, I love you. Man, you're awesome. 
I love you, man. You're the best. You're the best, man. You're my just I love you, man. I love you. You're the best. But your wife. Oh, no, right? Oh, I can't even get it out of my mouth. I can't even say it out loud. That's a horrible thing to say. And if I were to finish that sentence, you stand up and say, son, we got the box. We got to fight. And this is what Jesus feels. He said, Jesus, I love you, but your bride, is, she stinks. Her breath stinks. She's ugly. And she, right, yeah, imagine saying that to Jesus. And imagine the rebuke that Jesus would give you back. You tell Jesus his bride is ugly. You tell Jesus his bride is a problem. He said, no, my bride is not a problem. My bride is a privilege. So, the next time that person comes to you, you can know that that is what Jesus paid for. And you must love hard. Must love hard. They're confused, ideologically opposed to you, the other side of the aisle, the other color, the other. You must love hard. For the way you love them is a reflection of your love for Him. You don't compromise truth in your love for them, you don't lower the standard of Christ. He came equally full of grace and truth. So we don't, we don't affirm, we, we refuse to affirm dysphoria in the world. But we must love them. We must love them enough to tell them hard, loving truth. There's tough love. And then there's people who love tough. We must become people who love tough. Love them beyond their rejection, beyond their slander, beyond their hatred. Love beyond that. Because the way we love is really an indication of how much we love Jesus. So love hard. Number six, legacy. Why is my marker not working? Legacy. Legacy is, I love this, I love this illustration because it's just so accurate, you know. Legacy is, is what LeBron didn't do. Legacy is what Kyrie and LeBron could have achieved, right? But legacy is destroyed when we play for ourselves. So legacy is winning, not for me. Legacy is winning for thee. I will win for thee. I love the story of Joab. He goes out. David's old in his years, and he, and he conquers a king, and he sends word back to David, and he says, come, 
and put your foot on the necks of these kings and claim them for you. That's legacy. That's legacy. It's killing giants not because they threaten you. It's killing giants because they threaten them. It's killing giants because they threaten the generations after them. It's playing the long game, not the short game. It's deferring, it's deferring gratification that's, that, that is easy to come to you, but deferring it and sending it back to them. Legacy is playing for others to win. It's one of my life verses. When Solomon sat on his throne his, of his father David and his kingdom was firmly established. I love that. I love that because it tells me that David was not playing for himself to win. He wasn't playing for him to receive the credit. He was, he was playing so that way his son could, could sit on the throne and rule in peace. And we must become people of legacy. It, it's, like, it's like something we must focus. You have to focus on legacy. You, it, it's, you look, we're selfish people. People, we are selfish, man. If, if, we, if you don't believe that, go look at how long you've been on the phone this week. What's your, what's your screen time look like this week? And the reason we scroll incessantly is because we're looking for something that will make us feel good. We're looking for thumbs up, likes. We're looking for any comments that, that are affirming in the comment section. I will warn you, stay out of the comment section. Stay out of the comment section. You don't belong there. The only comment section you want to go to is prayer with the Lord. That's the only place you go to to check. Comment section will ruin you. You think you did something good, then you get in the comment section. Man, you'll learn real fast. So legacy is playing for others to win. What giants are you facing today so others don't have to face tomorrow? What giants are you seeking to destroy? I love the fact that David picked up more than one stone when he went to the brook. He was. He knew he could kill Goliath, but his mindset was, I'm going to have some kids, and I'm going to kill every one of giants, every one of his brothers too. That's some, that's some mafia. That's some godfather stuff right there. You know what I mean? That's some Lion King stuff, you know, scar. That's some scar stuff. Got to get, you know, you got to get, get rid of the threat. Simba has to die, be vanquished, you know. We, we, we have to begin to become violent in the spirit in our pursuit of legacy, in our pre- preservation of it. You know what destroys legacy more than anything? Pride. Pride and ego, man. You can see, you can see pride and ego destroy legacy. It'll come in and it'll, it'll just annihilate families. And if we're not careful, you know, like it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to let pride slip in and destroy what is sacred. So as people of 
covenant. Our core value is legacy. They said that if you, if you have four generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's kids, if you get four generations, here's what they say. This is like, like factual. If you can lock down four generations, you can rule nations if you have four generations that succeed you. Right? So if, if, we can, if we can lock up four generations in this house at one time, we can lock down the powers and principalities of darkness over the air. We can establish the kingdom from one side of the nation to the other if we get four generations to serve God simultaneously. You want to know why the fight? You want to know why the devil hates them so much and created such identity, such identity crisis in the world? Because he realizes that if, if you get Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his kids in the room, and you get them all unified under the, under the banner of the heart of the Father for a nation, that, that nation is locked up. Revival will sweep through that nation as easy as a whisper. So legacy. We play, we play the long game of faith, and the long game of faith is legacy. Number seven. Number seven is honor. I know. I know. We talk about honor, and uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, honor. I, I will say this of honor, that honor goes this way. It goes this way, it goes this way, it goes this way, it goes this way, it goes that way, it comes back that way, it goes around the door and back up inside. Honor goes every which way. It doesn't flow just up. You hear me? Honor must equally flow down sideways. You know, we can't despise uh, our children because we believe like they're inexperienced, you know. The Bible says that God will give them the wisdom of the ancients. But if we don't honor that wisdom, if we don't honor the Holy Spirit in them, then we, we despise what God's doing through them. So honor is, is, is I define it by, like this. You look for Jesus in everyone. You look for Jesus in everybody. Not just some people. Not just the people you like. Not just the people you favor. We look for Jesus in everyone. Jesus said, what did Jesus say? I couldn't do many miracles there. You remember what he said? They asked Jesus, well, how come you can't? But I couldn't do much there. And, they all, and we like to believe that he couldn't do anything because they didn't have faith. But it wasn't the faith. It wasn't their faith. It was their honor that affected their faith. They saw him as common. And here's where I'm getting your business a little bit. And we see a lot of, you know, it's really in a family. If we, so, so we just got through talking about legacy. In a family, if you're talking about legacy in a family, it's hard to honor people it's really tough to honor people when you know their dirt. When you know where they come from, 
You know who their mom is, their dad is. You know where they're tempted. You know where they're weak. You know where they fail. You you know where they cheat. You know where they you know them enough to know like the personal stuff. And this is the stuff where Jesus said, I couldn't do anything there because they only saw me as, you know, like this carpenter. They only saw me as a table maker. They only saw me as a brother to James. They only saw me as the son of Mary. They didn't see me the way the Father saw me. And because they didn't see me the way the Father saw me, then I couldn't, I couldn't bring two people together to believe for, for eyes to be opened. And we think we're different in the house of the Lord when we gather together and we come through the doors and we're looking, we're looking to create faith in the room, and, but, but we're looking at one another with eyes that are common. And whenever we look at each other with commonality, like, I know who you are, I know, I know all about you, like, when we treat one another like that, we fail to see Jesus inside of them. We fail to see what the Father sees. And because we fail to see what the Father sees, faith, faith is non-existent. The only, the, the, the place where faith grows is where honor is rich. And this is how Jesus loves us, right? True love is found in the presence of judgment, not in the absence of it. True love says, (laughs) you know him, and you choose to love him anyway. Even, (laughs) right? That's true love. It's not in the absence of, we said, don't judge me. Don't judge me. No, judge me, but then love me anyway. That's how Jesus loves us. He sees us, he knows us, and he says, in spite of it, I love you anyway. And then he challenges us to honor one another in the same manner. To look and say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do to me. I still love you. I still see Jesus in you. I still see the promise in you. Even though you failed me, even though you called me a low-down, dirty dog, even though you betrayed me, I still honor you. And man, where there's honor, there's faith. And Jesus says, wherever there's, wherever there's honor, there's faith. And where there's faith, all things are possible. Remember that. Wherever there's faith, all things are possible. So honor, look for Jesus. Number eight, loyalty. This is a cuss word in the church I've learned. Yeah, man. This is, this is like, like I could spend a while here. Loyalty. Loyalty. I'll never forget this story as long as I live. And, and this is the last one I'll share. There, there are others, and I'll bring some more later. But loyalty, there's a story attached. And my son Jeremiah played for a very um, a good coach, man. He was a good coach. I think he must have knew Jesus. I mean, he must, he must know Jesus, I think. And, uh, and they were very successful. And uh, he was a strong coach, you know. He, he didn't pull any punches. And they're working out. They're all in the gym working out before the, this was preseason. And this one kid over the summer decided he was going to go to a mini camp at a rival school. And it was a St. Edge. He went to St. Edge to work out and, and got one of them jerseys. He bought a jersey. And he walks into their locker room wearing a St. Ed's jersey. Ooh! He, well, he walked in wearing a St. Ed's jersey. 
And, and coach, coach Elder looked at him and said, hey, man, what are you doing in here? He said, I'm practicing. He said, do you, do you play for Avon or do you play for St. Ed's? He said, I play for Avon. He said, well, you take that jersey off or you go play for them. We don't need you. And you know what people need? People need to know. You know why they need loyalty? Because they need to know that you're playing for them. You know why, Matt? You know why loyalty matters? Because, man, I need to know that you're not playing for somebody else. You're not playing for, for, for yourself, or for the, but you're playing for the, the team. You're playing for the kingdom. And you know what that makes me feel? That makes me feel safe. And every time I'm in the presence of Jesus, I've never felt unsafe. I've never felt betrayed by the presence of Jesus. That tells me a core value of Jesus is loyalty. He would never sell us out. He would never wear a jersey that, is not, that doesn't belong to the team. And so when I, when I say things like, hey, we ought to be more loyal to one another. You know, I've been taking my car to the same dude to be fixed for like as long as I can remember. And he got mad at me one time. I remember Lou, Lou, Lou Rios got mad at him. He got mad at me one time. And you know what I did? I drove my car right in there and dropped it off, put the keys down on the table, said, this is what needs to be fixed. I'm not going anywhere else. I am loyal. The kingdom, you know, men will sell out. Men will sell out. There are gangs out there running around. Why? Because they're loyal to one another. They wear the same cut for one another, and they got one another's back. And we think in the kingdom we could just treat one another and just walk off and say, this, I've never been more betrayed than I have by friends in the kingdom. I'm like, hey, man, you love Jesus. You just walk away from me? Where does that come from? How do you say you love Jesus, but then you just walk away from a relationship? That don't make no sense, man. That is not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ says you stay there. Peter said, I'll stay. He stayed there. He stayed there. And, and Peter got the keys to the kingdom. Because why? Because he stayed. Every time Jesus turned around, Peter was standing right there. And he said, no, he left him. No, he was like from here to there away from him. Even when he betrayed him, he was within an eye shot of him. And he got the kingdom. Like Loyalty is a principle of the kingdom that we must embody more of. And we've got to call one another out on it, man. Like, no, man, you get your behind back in here, grab that bag, and you serve in the kingdom. You don't just walk away from this family. This is the family of God. We are loyal to one another. I got your back. You got my back. I love you. And no matter what happens, I'm going to be there for you. This is, this is the kingdom of heaven. Loyalty. Jesus said it like this. You said, where did Jesus say that? Look at these. these are the, this is the, probably one of the most gangster things Jesus ever said. This is what he said. Am I allowed to say that? Every time I say that, people snicker. I'm like, you don't know Jesus was like that. Here's what he said. Matthew 12, verse 30. He who is not with me, and he who does not gather with me, scatters abroad. That is hard, man. That, he is holding no punches. He is telling you, you don't walk away in the kingdom. You don't just take your ball and go home because you have ideological differences. Man, you sit yourself down and you serve your brother and your sister. You don't just walk away from ministry after years. Of you know what was so hurtful to me? I mean, you know, whatever. But, but what was hurtful was when I saw when mom and dad retired in the kingdom 
And then people left. I was like, oh, oh, we're not the same. We're not made of the same stuff. You weak. You're in this for you. You, 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 you. We're not made of the same fabric of, of the spirit. And so, like, you know, you, you, you go over, you, you, you strengthen yourself in the Lord, you move on. But, but if I could talk to the kingdom openly, I'm talking to you tonight, so say, no, man, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. We wear the jersey. Why? Because, because it, it tells me something. It tells me I got you. I got you. No matter what, man, I got you. Why? Because, because me and, and your uncle were best friends in high school. So whatever you need, I got you. No matter what, no matter what, Melissa, whatever you need, I got you. Why? Because we go way back, and, 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 and that is strong. Blood, is, you, know, ever heard, you ever heard the expression, blood is thicker than water? It's not true. No, nah, man, it's not true. The, the stuff that's thick is the stuff you choose. That's the thick stuff. The family you choose is the thick stuff. Let's stand up as we close. So eight kingdom core values. Let's build the kingdom tonight. Bow your head, let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence in the, in the room tonight, Lord. I, I pray your kingdom would be constructed as we leave this place tonight, that we would be resolved in our spirit to see the kingdom come out of us. God, that the kingdom would come out of us tonight. We bless your name tonight, Lord. I pray for every need in the house tonight, that you would bless your people. I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit on hearts that have gone away from you. I pray for spirits of addiction now. I rebuke and bind spirits. Come on with me, church, tonight. Agree that spirits of addiction are broken tonight in Jesus' name. I pray the heavy hand of the Lord to rest on those that are struggling in their sin. That they would feel the love of God so compelling, drawing them gentle cords and bands of love out of the wilderness of sin and into the rescued arms of a loving Savior. Pray tonight, God. For hearts that are full of sorrow. Hearts that have been broken by loss, premature death. Pray the strength of the Lord, the encouragement of God. I pray for vision tonight and purpose to be reawakened, clarity to come to your bride tonight, God. Rebuke a spirit of depression and oppression, a harassing spirit that would attempt to tell you that life is meaningless. Pray for your conviction, Holy Spirit, to communicate to your beloved tonight that they are precious. That there's not, that you attend the funeral of birds, 
And because there's not a bird that falls from the sky, God, you are mindful of what they are going through, the affliction they are suffering, the pain, the heaviness that's come against them. God, you are mindful of it. Now I pray, God, handfuls dropped on purpose. That your presence would be so rich, God, as they surrender to you, that the presence of the Lord would be so rich in their car drives, in the, in the shower when they're talking to you, God. While they're folding laundry, God. Whether, while they're at the worksite job and they, 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 they put you in the forefront, God, and, and they begin to have a conversation with you, God, that you would, you would let them know that they are your beloved. you provide for them richly you supply every need not according to their resources but according to yours for you are rich you are rich God every soul liberated tonight restore every soul in this room tonight replenish strengthen encourage by your spirit we love you Lord if you're here tonight you've never prayed the prayer of salvation if you're watching online you've never prayed the prayer of salvation pray this prayer with me it's real simple Jesus I ask you to come into my heart forgive me forgive me of my sin can feel my sin and how it has separated me from your love and I ask you to forgive me and I repent God I change my mind about who I was yesterday and I change my mind and I say I want to be who you made me to be tomorrow I put my trust in you I promise from this day forward that I will live for you and only you. And when I fail, I'll get right back up and I'll run right back to you. I love you, Jesus. Take my life. Make a difference to this world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Live right.